house. Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to preach on something that I haven't been able to escape from. Uh, this story over the week and in the busyness that was camp. I, uh, this one story kept coming back to me over and over every time I thought about this service. Uh, this word came to me and I, I do believe it's for today. Philippians 4 verse number 6 and 7 is what we'll read. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Be anxious for nothing. Everyone say nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, by the way, surpasses all understanding. Not some understanding. All understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. This morning I'm going to preach for a few minutes on the peaceful protector. The peaceful protector. Can you lift your hands up and ask the Lord to make you good soil to receive his word today? Ask him to help you, whatever it is that he speaks to you. Lord, right now in this house, we believe you, God, to make us good soil to receive your word. Let your word be on my lips and in my heart. God, I pray and believe that you would do great things in this place. Let a spirit of prayer hit the house today. Let the things of God be glorified in this place as we surrender this day to you in Jesus' name. And as you're seated, look at somebody and say, the peaceful protector. I want to remind you today from the very start of this sermon, probably something that you've heard. I know that I've said it from the pulpit many times, but I want to remind you today again, for maybe it might be the hundredth or a millionth time you've heard it. Maybe it's the first, but we are living in the last days. Now, I, don't, I know that that's, that's become cliche over the years in the church, but I just want to remind you on the start of this message, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. It's not just a long time off. It's not waiting on another generation to arise. Jesus is coming in this generation. And I tell you tonight, today, there is not much time left. There's not much time left. If there's ever a time to get yourself right with God, it's right now. If there's ever a time to find yourself in the house of God, it's right now. If there's ever a time to find yourself doing the will of God, it is right now. There's not much time left. We are living in the last days. Now with that comes an understanding of what things will be like in the last days. In particular, I believe that we are seeing right now a climate and a culture that is kind of geared in this certain element and way. I believe that everywhere you go and everything that you're experiencing right now has a purpose behind it and there is a prevailing spirit moving across the earth. Matthew Chapter 24, his disciples, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be, in verse 3. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered to them in verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. So I would say the first thing is a spirit of deception that sweeps across the world. 
That's one thing to be on the lookout for. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear, listen, you will hear rumors of wars, wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, for the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various questions and all in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of sorrow. So I read to you a list for a little bit of deception and wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, the beginning of sorrows. And what I feel to say here at this moment is the prevailing spirit that is moving across the world, even as you and I feel it, is a spirit of fear. You cannot sit with a human heart or a human mind and watch all of these things unveil and unfold in front of you and not have some type of anxiousness or worry or fear, wondering what's going to happen next. What does this mean? Where are we on this? What is happening? And for the people that do not have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is very easy, I would say, for them to have a level of anxiety that is much higher. Even us in the church, we sit back over the last year in 2020 and wonder, what does all this mean? What could possibly come next? What's the next thing going to happen? And you can feel a prevailing spirit of fear, anxiousness and worry about what will happen. Luke 21 25 through 28 says this, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. And watch, verse number 26. Men's hearts failing them from fear. And the expectation of those things which are to come. Meaning, what's going to happen next? Where are we in all of this? The environment, I tell you this morning, as I begin this message, for anyone that will hear me in person or online, the environment, the cultural climate of the last days is enveloped in fear and anxiousness and worry. That is the day we live in right now. I know this isn't popular preaching. I know I'm just setting up right now. But I don't want you to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I don't want you to be caught unaware of what's really happening. You can look beyond the veil for a moment of what's happening in culture and politics and society. And you can look and see there is fear everywhere. Everywhere. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-3 For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now watch this next verse. For when they shall say peace and safety. See, there's a cry right now. We need peace in the world. We need safety here. We've got to have some more peace of where we're at. It's too unsettled right now. It's too unruly. We need something to rise up and give us peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon the earth as the travail upon a woman with child, 
and they shall not escape. In these last days, there is a longing and a yearning for peace. For peace to come. They'll cry for peace and safety. But we've got to keep reading to the next few verses. But as for you and I, but ye brethren, you are not in darkness. Come on, they sang about it a second ago. You're living in the light now, right? That that day should not overtake you as a thief. Ye are children of the light and children of the day. And we are not of the night nor of darkness. We will not be caught unaware by any prevailing spirit of this world. But we right now will stand boldly with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, I know you're with me this morning, but hear me. We are not like the world. We don't have the same things in common. It's not that we're better or greater, but we've been given something. The scales of our eyes have been peeled off right now. And we're able to look and see the hurt and the pain and the worry that's right there that's prevailing. And we've got the answer. I was at, I was at camp and they told me a story. There are, this is, this is an extremely broken time in the world. I mean, people are, are broken right now more than they've ever been before. There are so many offenses. There are so many much brokenness all over the place. And I was at, I was at camp this week, and, and they were, there was a, a young man that was praying down in the front of the altar and had his, had his hands lifted up. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they walked, the, the, one of the ministers from their church walked over and said, do you know anything about him? And I said, no, I don't, I don't really know. I've never met him. I'm not sure who he is. And he said, well, let me tell you about him for a second. When he was nine years old, he watched one of his parents shoot and murder his other parent in his front yard. He watched it with his own eyes. He watched this, the murder of, I believe it was his mom, in the front yard of his own house. He saw it. They said even as a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, they said he would have such anxiety and, and what, what they deemed him, what they prescribed him as is having PTSD from that particular instance. Just brokenness. And they said this is what happened. He, he, grew, up, he grew up in a certain denomination of a church. He was around it and, 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 and it helped him for a little while. But for some reason, whenever he, he would have these anxiety attacks where he would just curl up and he would want to hide and get away from people and get away from things because of the experience that he saw with his own eyes and the brokenness and the darkness that he lived in. And they said, whenever he would start to get around some Holy Ghost-filled young people, they said that the PTSD would leave and he would never have an anxiety attack. So he thought to himself, what do they have? So he showed up to a church. They said, you know what you need to do? You need to come to camp with us. So they pulled him over to camp, and he walked down to the front, lifted both hands in the air, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost on that night. And maybe there's those that don't understand it, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, there is a light, and we are no longer living in the darkness, but right now, the prevailing spirit of the world will not defeat the church.
Come on, can we thank God for a moment? Can we worship His name? Thank Him for His goodness to us. He has power to save. I've been stirred by this because I feel like even as much as we live in light and know the good things of God, there are still people here. I don't want to ever paint the picture that we're perfect. We're not. If you have struggles, raise your hand. I've got two of them up. I don't ever want to paint that picture. The prevailing spirit of, of fear and worry and anxiety that's attacking people would love to infiltrate us. And it, many times it does. But I've, I've come across a story in the Bible a few months ago that, that all week long I have felt compelled to read this story in your Bible here. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter number 18. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory of what we're going to read. In 1 Kings chapter number 16, Israel is now under the rule of the wicked king Ahab. The Bible says that Ahab did more evil than any king before him. Even going as far to say for this, for Ahab, this is what the Bible says, it was trivial for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. For all of the idol worship and all of the rebellion and all of the, the false doctrine and living and immorality that Jeroboam did, for Ahab, the Bible says, it was trivial for him to walk in those things. Meaning, his sin and lifestyle was so much worse. A wicked king. Ahab goes even farther in his wickedness and he marries a woman by the name of Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel are now in power over the country of Israel. But God still has a man. Elijah is on the scene and Elijah is risen up in 1 Kings chapter number 17. Listen, Ahab and Jezebel, this is important, they may be in power, but they are not in control. I'm going to let that statement settle in right now because even in 2020, and I'm not talking about any particular person, there may be a prevailing power that exists, but it is not in control. So we have Elijah in 1 Kings 17. We're introduced to him. He's a Tishbite and he is a man with a word from God. And that word is on the inside of him. And the first account that we know of Elijah is the boldness to walk in front of King Ahab and to tell him it will not rain on this earth until I say. Now I've met some pretty powerful people or whatever, but that takes a lot of gumption. To walk into the king's throne room and say, it will not rain one drop, nor will there be dew on this earth until I speak it. Because the Lord had given him a word. We discover that the Lord leads Elijah away and hides him because King Ahab didn't like that confrontation. So first, he's led to a brook where a stream of water would let him drink. And he's fed by Raven's bread and flesh to eat in the morning and in the evening. 
Then the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 17 that he is taken to the widow of Zarephath. And the God said in his word that he instructed the raven to feed him. And he instructed the widow to feed him. Listen, God is powerful enough and careful enough to take care of you. Listen, if God can speak to a person and an animal, there is no rules or laws of nature he will not bend. There is no rules or laws of society that he will not break. He can speak to anything, he can work through anything, and he can do it for you. He is not bound by the same things that we are bound by. He is not overtaken by the same things that we feel and experience. But God has the authority and the power. Come on, that's a revelation for somebody. You feel like you're walking overwhelmed and consumed with so many other things. Listen, if God can speak to a raven to bring bread and flesh to a man, God can speak to anything in your life and cause it to move and cause it to go and cause it to work and cause it to bless. He can take anything. But I imagine being from Elijah's standpoint, being moved from place to place, that would be difficult to find yourself living off whatever word came next. But I tell you today, today, you can trust where you are in the Lord and where you're going. You can trust it. So that's the end of 1 Kings chapter number 17. You have 1 Kings chapter number 18 with you. And I'm going to read together this passage that completes the story of Elijah for what we'll do today. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. It's been three years, no rain, no dew. What a problem for a king of a country to deal with. So, verse number two, Elijah went and to present himself to Ahab. And there was, as you can imagine, a severe famine in Samaria. So Ahab does what he has in his own authority there. And he called for Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, as you read this verse of Scripture, you're going to learn about Obadiah because I believe Obadiah is a lot like you and he's a lot like me. Obadiah is a character in this story that served God faithfully, believed God in the middle of where he was, but yet was not perfect and struggled. So here it is, Obadiah, the man. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Now watch in verse number four of what Obadiah did. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. You see, in the middle of this wicked king and wicked queen, there is a man that stood for righteousness who feared the Lord greatly and yet his daily life is surrounded by fear. 
Because if Ahab and Jezebel ever find out where Obadiah stands for, ever finds out who he fears and what he stands for and even what he's done, surely Obadiah will not survive. So he is enveloped in a culture, in an environment. He is over the charge of a wicked king's house. So if that king ever finds out, surely he would be dead. But yet, New Life Church, in the middle of that environment, he stands for righteousness. I'm going to pause right here at this sermon to say, you can serve God in a hostile environment. Maybe I'll just preach to the young people for a second. You can choose righteousness even when nothing else seems righteous. You can choose what's holy even when nothing else seems like it's holy. You can stand for truth even if you're alone. Come on, you can make it where you are. You can stand for righteousness in the middle of a wicked and evil world. I believe New Life Church is a beacon of hope to this community. And we may be surrounded by evil and wickedness and corruption and ungodliness on all four and a quarters. But hear me, we will stand for the things of God. Come on, that's, that's, what, we cause, that's what we call a pause for response. We will stand for the things of God. It doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter what happens next, what rule or law they put in place. We will stand and fear the Lord. In the middle of all of this, Obadiah was a protector of the people of God. Obadiah was a preserver of righteousness and godliness. Obadiah was a provider and helper for the prophets of the Lord. So the Bible says in verse number 5, and, Obadiah, and Ahab said to Obadiah, because of this famine, we need you to go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks, perhaps, may we find some grass to keep the horses and the mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land and went out to explore it. And Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now, verse number seven. As Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him and he recognized him. And he fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, and he said this, Go tell your master. <laughs> Elijah is here. Go tell him. You know the man that spoke to you three years ago and said it wasn't going to rain? The man you've been hunting for for three years? Go tell him, I'm here. You've been waiting for rain. You've been waiting for it to come. Go tell him, I'm here with a word from God for right now. So, what a, what a, what a moment of faith and belief to walk into that and say, go. But he meets Obadiah in the way. Be one thing if Elijah just walked straight to Ahab. But I'm so thankful that there are stories like this in the Bible that help portray and paint a picture of what it's like to be me so I can have something to grow from and learn from. 
Because he meets Obadiah. He doesn't go directly to Ahab. He meets Obadiah. And listen, Obadiah is a lot like you and I. Because the story from right now, it takes a strange turn. Because here's what's happened. So he said, this is Obadiah, talking to the man of God. How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation, no kingdom, where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom and nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go and tell your master that Elijah is here? Verse number 12. And it shall come to pass, listen, I know what's going to happen. As soon as I am gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place that I don't know. So when, you go and tell, when I go and tell Ahab and he can't find you, he'll kill me. It'll happen. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to you, my Lord, that, that I did when Jezebel killed the prophets, how I hid a hundred men and the Lord's prophets of 50 in a cave and fed them with water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. He will kill me. He'll kill me if he finds out. You want me to go do that? You know what happens the moment? In the moment that Elijah confronts and tells Obadiah to do this, this is how we are. You ready? Because this is how I am. You ready? Immediately, a whole list of scenarios start running through his mind. Oh, man, if I do that, well, this will happen. Well, I do that, I know this will happen. You know, if I say that or go this place, I know this will happen. And Obadiah... It's consumed with these worries and these, anxi these anxieties, these false scenarios, these what-ifs, these paranoias. And it's apparent, ladies and gentlemen, today, it is apparent that Obadiah has allowed the fear that is around him to make its way inside of him. Oh, I, ho I, I felt the Holy Ghost when I said that. It is apparent, New Life Church, that the environment of fear that he lived in has now manifested itself inside of him. And his fearful environment has created a fearful mindset. And he is anxious and worried about what will come from his own life. You want to know the beauty of this story? As the narrative closes, none of those things happened. And I felt impressed, the Holy Ghost, to say one thing here at this moment. I really did. Days ago, I felt led to say this for somebody and whoever will hear it. Do not believe the lie that a wicked king has the authority to cause your end. Well, I'm going to let that settle in for a second. Don't believe the lie that a wicked king has the power, authority, or say-so to cause your end in your life. It is not him who has the final say. It is God. 
Come on, I'm preaching deep for a second. It is God that has the final say over your kids, your job, your marriage, your home, this society, the politics, everything we deal with. It is God. Don't you believe for a second the power of this world has the final say in this world. It is God who has the final say. Obadiah, listen to me today. Don't believe the lie the king will cause your end. Obadiah, you've been a faithful protector of God's people. Now don't doubt God's power to keep you and to preserve you. Come on, if you've been faithful to the things of God, if you've been faithful to come to church, you've been faithful to prayer, you've been faithful to submit yourself to the things of God, God will be faithful to you. I don't care who your, who your boss is. I don't care where you work at. I don't care what your finances look like right now. It does not matter because if you've been faithful to God, the wicked king does not have the authority to cause your end. He doesn't have the power. It was never given to him to have the power to do it. God has the final say. I don't care what the doctor told you. They don't have the authority over it. God has the final say in it. I don't care what they spoke about you. They don't have the final authority over it. God has the final say. Come on, don't believe the lies and the deceit that's sweeping across. It is God that has the final say. Yes, I, I just believe, I believe it in the house. I feel, I feel God speaking into somebody. Every list of scenarios running through your mind, you need to submit it to God right now. You need to turn it over to Him. Every list of paranoia, you need to give it over to God for the next few minutes. Come on, everything that creeps up in your mind. Come on, this is going to sound funny, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's true. WebMD does not have the final say. Let's stop believing everything that we read and let's lift our eyes to the hills from whence our help comes and let's believe the one who actually has the final say. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We believe you today, God. Let all doubt leave. Let all paranoia leave. Verse 15, Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to Elijah to meet. You know what's so interesting about that? Obadiah comes and presents this list of stuff. He'll kill me. Surely, like, if I go and tell him, then you're going to, like, the Spirit of the Lord's going to take you all the way to Timbuktu, and I'll never see you again, and then Ahab's going to kill me for that. Surely, if I walk into that room, Ahab will say, you're a liar, and he'll kill me right there on the spot. Surely, if I go do that, something awful will happen, and he lists off these things, and watch. You ready? Watch. Elijah doesn't even, he doesn't even address it. He doesn't even give room for the worries and anxieties and the paranoia lists and the problems. He doesn't even give it voice. He doesn't say anything in response. He just says, this is what the word of the Lord says. I will do this today. And in there, 
is no space for worry or anxiety. He never addresses the concerns. That's why I read to you at the very, very beginning of this what Paul said. Be anxious for... He doesn't give space. Can I tell you this morning? Do not let anxious thoughts have any room in your life. Don't let them have space. Don't let them grow. Don't let them multiply in your mind. Don't give them any space. Don't give it to them. The Bible says, be anxious for, well, politics. Makes sense, right? Money. That's what you should be anxious about. Like, I think Paul got it wrong. You should be anxious about your bank account. Paul said this, you should be anxious for nothing except the future. No. Because the part of the verse ends right there. Be anxious for nothing. So let me tell you this morning, nothing means nothing. I know you're waiting for a deep theological point. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing should be given over to anxiousness. Nothing, Obadiah, should be given over to your paranoia or your fear. Nothing should be poured out and given over to that. But listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Not be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You want to know what to do? This is, this is so deep. You ready? You want to do next time you have an anxious thought? Pray. You want to worry less? Pray more. You want to worry less? Pray more. I'm not saying, I, I, I'm, please don't read more into what I'm saying. I'm saying you should take every bit of anxiousness, Obadiah, and you should take every bit of fear, and you should take every bit of worry, and you should transition that to prayer every single time. Every single thing, you should submit it. Obadiah was quick to bring his all of Israel, if there's one thing he got right, it was bringing it to the man of God or the word of God at that moment. And you should take everything that you feel and bring it to God. Listen, I've lived long enough that, I, that the Lord has helped me with a few things and walked me through a few things. I believe, and I'll stand to get corrected later, but I believe as you were given human emotions and allowed to feel some things, I believe you should take all of your emotions and transition them to prayer. So the moment you feel sad about something, turn it to prayer. And the moment you feel excited, thank God for it. And the moment you feel something, turn and transition it to prayer every single time. And watch the peace of God come. Come on, I'm not saying the thing will be solved I'm saying there is a peace that comes when you turn everything and you use your emotions as a trigger to pray. Obadiah, I wish you could see everything that came out of your mouth, 
and watch how everything never happened. And watch the lies that came back and forth to you in your spirit and in your mind. And know God is on your side. God is for you and he is on your side. And if you would just do the right things with what you are feeling, imagine, imagine never being anxious for anything. That's easy. Turn it to God in prayer. And listen, the peace of God is unlocked by prayer. The peace of God is unlocked by prayer. Here's what Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you read the rest of it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. The peace of God is a protector for you. Making sure that you turn and take everything to God. I did this yesterday. I had a... How many, of you ever, how many of you pray and you have a list when you do it? Anybody? Is that just me? That helps me because I'm forgetful. My wife's not in the room. She, I didn't hear an amen. That's, that's why. I'm forgetful, so I had a list. And I took that list to God. And some of those were really, really small items that you would think, man, that's really trivial. But some of them are needs that unless the supernatural power of God steps in, we're going to experience some loss and some hurt. And I took that list, and I remember yesterday, as I took that in my living room, and I took a few moments, and I just gave it to him. And I just opened my mouth, and I spoke it over to him. God, I, don't, I do not understand why he's battled and struggling with this. I do not understand why it's been one attack after another attack after another attack. I don't understand why it's that way. But God, I give it to you right now. I surrender it to you right now. And God, I realize that they said that about me, and it hurt, and I wasn't ready for it. But Lord, that anger that I feel... I give it to you right now. I surrender it to you right now. I can't, I'm not strong enough to bear it. And God, this thing happened, or this thing with finances is a problem, and I don't know what, how it's going to weigh out, but Lord, you know more than I do, and so you have the final say, so I give it to you. And I watched as the peace of God filled my living room. And I don't have all the answers, but I definitely do still have the answer, and it's prayer, it's prayer, it's prayer. God's peace is a protector. And the Bible says this, it will guard your heart and your mind. But only if, only if you surrender it to God in prayer. So here's what I'd like, here's what I'd like to do this morning. It's a little bit different on the altar. Would you stand with me? I have a few more pages of notes, but I just felt prompted to do this. Whatever it is, Right now for you, that you don't have an answer for, you're anxious about, you don't know what to do with. Could be a person, could be a thing, whatever it is. Here's what I would like you to do with me for the next few moments. I'd like you, if you're willing to, I'd like you to lift both hands in the air, and I'd like you to pray over that thing right now. Whatever it is, that thing that brings anxiousness, Fear or worry. I wish you would right now transition that to him. Come on, that's it. Give voice to it. Speak it out. Give voice to that thing that you don't know or don't understand. Give voice to that thing that you're bothered by. That's it. Speak it out. 
That's it. If you want to pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't wait on something else. Give it to God right now. The Bible says, cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. So right now, cast it off of you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Come on. I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening to my body. I don't understand it. I don't know why I feel this way or this has happened to me. And I don't completely have answers for it. But God, I give this to you right now. I can't solve it, Lord, but you can, Lord. God, I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I struggle with this. But God... I am giving this to you right now. Let me, here's what I, I want to say. I want to say a couple of things and then I want to I offer the invitation to anyone that, that needs to surrender something to God. I, I, I did that strictly for the sole purpose, what I felt like in the Lord, for the sole purpose of the practice of doing that. You've got you've, you've to experience that by doing it. And I'm going to open the altars here in a moment. For anyone that wants to come down and pray and give something over to God, or you just need the peace of God to come in a situation. Peace, God's peace, is not positive thinking or the absence of conflict or a good feeling or emotion. The peace of God is a confidence that God is absolutely in control. That is the peace of God. The Bible references, I don't believe it's just synonyms. I believe there's meaning behind it. But the Bible speaks of aspects of God's peace. Peace from God, peace with God, and peace of God. Peace from God is normally written in Paul's greeting or farewells where he wishes somebody that you would have peace that comes from God. Over 13 times in Paul's epistles are this written, that you would have peace from God. But then there's peace with God. And Romans 5 and 1 says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Which means I'm in right standing with Him. That's the peace with God. But finally, the peace I read to you in the very opening text. And the peace that I've preached about for the last few moments. Is the peace of God. And the Bible says the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind no matter what comes. It's not the absence of problems. 
It's not just a well-wished, good-thinking moment. It's not that. It is the assurance and the confidence that even though we live in a fearful environment and even though everything is not perfect, God is still in control and He is still able. So this morning I say, if your heart is consumed with worry and fear about what's going to happen in your situation, or your mind can't stop thinking about it, I wanted to open these altars for anyone that would like to come pray. And let the peace of God protect us, preserve us, and guard us. Is there anyone in the house as these altars are open that you just need the help of the Holy Ghost for a few minutes? Is there anyone in this room that you would just say, what I'm surrounded with, I'm not able to deal with it. But I know there's a peace that God gives when I pray and I submit it to Him. Come on, His hands lifted in the sanctuary. Come on, cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Lord, right now, against the spirit of fear and anxiety, we, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no place here in the people of God. You have no place here plaguing and, and harming and hurting anyone any longer. God, let your peace come. I pray against the worry that consumes minds for what's going to come in the future, what will happen next to them, or what will happen next to their family. Let the peace of God envelop this place and cover us. Lord, I don't know how it ends, but I know it's in your hands. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice and call out to Him in the sanctuary. Lord, this week we give to You. The future we give to You. Come on, that's it. That's it. Lift your voice to Him. That's it. Surrender it to Him. Supernatural freedom, God. Supernatural strength, Lord. A confidence that they didn't have when they walked in here, but they have when they leave. Ya roboto roboto rabakata. Jesus' name. Jesus, I pray against any offense, any hurt or wrong that would cause or push emotions to a brink, that would cause bitterness or hate or anything, anything that would push against your will and purpose and plan. I pray, Lord, against any 
any anxiety that happens with family, I pray against it. I pray, God, that we would walk in your peace that you give. Your peace is a path we've got to follow after. God, lead us today. Yeah, that's it. Come on, surrender to him for a moment. Come on, if somebody beside you is praying, would you link up with them? No matter where they are, can we just take a moment? Jesus, a peace that passes all understanding. You're able, Jesus. can happen in the room for a second would you go link up with somebody and would you not pray for yourself but pray for them somebody right now may begin to touch from God would you just link up with somebody and pray over them and where they are and what's to come for them come on that's it right now let's minister to one another in the body
I'm so thankful for God's presence that's here. We're going to let those continue to pray and dismiss. Remember the peace of God. Many times it cannot be explained. It just has to be experienced. Thank you for being a new life today. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Please be mindful of those that would like to pray. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. We'll see you Wednesday night in Jesus' name.